Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Meaden, and I am your host. On today's episode, we have Rich Wong on. Rich is a professional photographer. Yes, you heard that right. Professional photographer, not professional dog trainer. Um, he's also a weekend warrior upland hunter. And what we're talking about with Rich is uh, hunting grouse and woodcock, a.k.a. the timber doodle. We're also talking Vislas, and really the main topic of conversation is, is the incredible story of Rich's dog, Hunter. And, um, you know, when I, when I started this podcast, I wanted to talk about three things. That's training gun dogs, hunting with your gun dog, and, you know, the story of individual dogs. And I, I'm really excited to talk about um, Rich and Hunter's story. I, I just think it's inspiring. It's, it's really incredible, and I really think that you're going to enjoy it and I'm excited for for this episode to, to be out on podcast land. Now, after you finish up this podcast, I do have a couple of things for you to do. First, I need you to head on out to gundogoutpost.com and grab any of your gun dog training equipment needs. The newest edition out there is the Garmin Alpha 200i, which is live and available for you to purchase. It's essentially a super collar. Um, the, the features, the things that are available with that collar are um, out of this world, let's just say. Um, also, there is a new hat. Um, it's orange and charcoal. It is here um, and available for you just in time for the many pheasant seasons that are kicking off around the country. I wore mine yesterday when I was out um, on my weekend pheasant hunt. The second place that I need you to, to head is to drinkhoist.com and uh, grab a case of that delicious beverage to try. Hoist is an I, is IV level hydration in a bottle. It is one of three Department of Defense approved electrolyte beverages. And I drank a couple of these uh, to refuel after my hunt yesterday. I need to make sure that I, that I refueled and rehydrated so that I get at home, um, take, care of, uh, take care of Mac, take care of my family, run some, run some errands. Um, so the hoist definitely, definitely helped me do that. Um, and I do have a special offer for you. So if you use the code GUNDOGOUTPOST, all caps, one word, at checkout, uh, you will get 10% off your order. So head on over to drinkhoist.com, take advantage of that offer. And without further ado, uh, let's get into Rich and Hunter's story in this week's podcast episode. Rich, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, as I as I always do when we we first get started here, why don't you tell just give a give a brief background about yourself, a um, little bit of information so that uh, people get to know you a little bit. Yeah, uh, my name is Rich Wong. I'm a, a professional food photographer uh, and a, kind of a weekend warrior upland hunter. Yeah, that's so, um, I'm sure people when they hear that are going to be a little surprised that, um, when the word or what you describe, what you use to describe yourself after professional was photographer and not dog trainer. Um, based yeah. on other guests that I've I'm had. Definitely not, I'm definitely not a professional dog trainer. Never, um, never claim to be, but I do love working with dogs. Uh, I know a couple of trainers and it's, it's a profession that I admire. Um, one that I, I know that I, personally couldn't do myself. So it takes a lot of patience, a lot of love and, and a lot of money 
<laughs> that is that is true. It's uh, it's a cash heavy business. Uh, what so you do own a gun dog? You're a weekend warrior, upland hunter. What um, what type of dog do you own? Uh, I have a Beesla named Hunter. He's 13 years old, and uh, it's been a great dog. Yeah. Have you always owned Beeslas? Uh, you know, he's my first dog, bird dog. Um, growing up, uh, well, we had a grow, we had bird dog growing up. My my dad and I had. Well, my family and I had an English Cocker Spaniel. Okay. That, uh, interesting enough, we bought it in London at Harrods, the department store. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and we trained her ourselves, and she was a nice little flushing dog. And, um, yeah, we, we, we grew up doing a lot of waterfowl and then um, got in upland hunting um, when we got her. Okay. And then um... – so I'm still amazed that you bought a, bought a dog that, that ended up hunting out of a department store. I'm still a little, yeah. a little bit shaken yeah. by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was interesting. We didn't even know we were on a family trip in Europe and my dad and my oldest sister came back and they're like, we're going to buy a dog. And we we're sitting in the hotel and we we're like, okay. And uh, it was Harrods, the, the department store in London. And uh, they picked her out and we flew her home and we named her London and, um, she was a great family dog, great bird dog. That's uh, that is an amazing story. Uh, yeah. a really amazing story. So, so Hunter, you, you picked out Hunter 13 years ago. Did you train him yourself? Yeah, I did a little bit of train. I did most of my training. So we started, uh, heavy with obedience and then, um, I actually took him to, uh, Chad Hines at Willow Creek Kennels in Little Falls, Minnesota. And we did, I think, two or three consults with him. So I want, I wanted to do it myself. So, but you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know where to start. Um, I, I couldn't weed through all the books. So, um, mm -hmm. I went to Chad, uh, who's an incredible trainer, and uh, he taught me. Um, you know, I told him what I, I told him what I wanted. I wanted a dog that was steady to, to shot, uh, or wing. Um, I told him that I, I uh, needed to learn collar conditioning, uh, wanted to work on retrieving. And um, that was basically it. So wool training, collar conditioning and retrieving. That's, and, and did he help just a couple of consults is all it was? A couple was of consults. Um, so the first one was collar and then we did um, introduction to, to, to birds um, and then gun. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think that was the, I mean, this is 13 years ago. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to recall my own, my own memory here, but, um, but yeah, there was a few that, and then we did, I did board him there a couple of times and I told him if he could get him on birds, that'd be great. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, I think, and you know, the things, you know, as a, uh, you know, first, essentially first time, you know, gun dog owner, those are the things that, you know, I can be a struggle if you've never done it before. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, you know, yeah. about, I talked a lot about my issues, working through issues, training Mac by myself. And I've had, luckily I've had some, some people there who um, are, are essentially pros or are pros who've been able to help me or guide me and give me tips. And that's, you know, that's what, that's how you learn though, right? From people yeah. that are smarter than you. That's why, that's why I have guests on, on here all the time so I can learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So for, for people that have never owned a Visla and I've only actually trained one, can you describe what it's like to own a visla and what their hunting yeah. style is yeah um they are uh 
extremely energetic. They need a lot of exercise. Um, they're very, um, they call them Velcro dogs. So they're always, they're always wanting to be touching their human. Okay. Um, so they they can, they get very attached. Um, so they're, you know, they end up being great bird dog or great, great family pets. Um, Hunter lived in the house, uh, hundred percent of the time. Um, but yeah, they're, they're highly intelligent. Um, so easy to train. Um, but it also can backfire because they're very sneaky. Like for example, when Hunter's a puppy, you know, you, you tell him to lie down. If you don't tell him to stay, he'll, he would crawl laying down, uh, <laughs> to get to where you want to go. So very smart, very, very intelligent. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, if, if you're thinking about getting a Vista, you got to make sure that they, they're, they're better dogs when they have a job. Sure. Uh, hunting was, is, is Hunter's job. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's much more, uh, balanced during hunting season. He's in, obviously in the best of his shape in hunting season. Um, but great, great dogs. Um, like I said, highly trainable. Um, great family pets. Yeah. And I, I think um, uh, you, he's, he took intelligence to a new level as a puppy by laying down and then crawling while he was laying down. I, yeah. That is something, that is something else. Oh my yeah. gosh. And they know how to cheat the system. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing is that you mentioned there is, you know, you, they need to have a job. I mean, they're, they're a working breed, right? And if they don't, they don't have a job, they'll find one themselves. Yeah, exactly. And they'll, they'll, I mean, he, he chewed through a lot of things. Um, so if you're not, if you're not giving them, um, exercise, they're going to find ways to do it themselves. Sure. Well, okay. I'm going to, rec- I'm going to ask for to re- you recall for you to recall, I can't talk right now. Uh, you know, another memory from 10 years ago, but when he was like two or three, how much extra daily exercise did he need just to, just to sort of take the top off and, and be calm? Um, you know, I think we got pretty lucky with Hunter. Um, he was pretty good with just walks. Okay. Um, I mean, we got, we got, I know just from speaking with other people, the visas and, you know, a lot of people have come to me and asked like for breeders or recommendations or like basically the same questions you're asking, like, what, what do I know? What do I need to know about visas before we got one? Would I be a good fit? Um, it sounds like we really, hit the jackpot with hunter because um he's he's pretty well mannered um i wouldn't say he has that off switch like sure like a lot of people talk about um but he's pretty level-headed um so he never really we really we never really needed to to burn a lot off but i think that's pretty rare for this breed so i wouldn't put too much stock in in your visa being like hunter (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah the the visa that i worked with um i need i need to make sure that i don't i need to be politically correct here but i did i i didn't necessarily enjoy working with 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 that dog it was it might have been the fastest dog that I've ever like gun dog that I've ever seen. I yeah. mean, holy smokes. I mean, let it out of the, let it out of the run of the kennel. And it was, you know, um, wow. just fire. Okay. Yeah. Just crazy. And when it wasn't running, it was very, very anxious, but yeah, 
but it, you know, I think, you know, dogs that have a lot of energy, if you can channel that energy into something like the job we were talking about, that's, that's where you're, you're golden. So, yeah. all right. A uh, hunter's a very special dog, which we'll, we'll talk about here um, a little, in a little bit more detail shortly, but uh, Rich, where are you located? Uh, we live in uh, Minnesota. Okay. And our cabin is uh, Northwestern Wisconsin. Okay. All right. And I'm, I need to ask selfishly again, because um, I need to know about this subject, but what, are, what type of game birds are you pursuing in, in uh, Northwestern Wisconsin? Uh, right now it's woodcock and rough grouse. Okay. All right. Uh, we do have some, some ducks uh, at the lake, mainly divers. So they haven't, they haven't moved in yet, but uh, right now just, just woodcock and grouse. Okay. And uh, so, so woodcock and grouse are two, two species that I have never hunted before. Can you give me like a 101 on how to get started or what to look for from a habitat perspective? Yep. Um, so, so both species are fairly new to me too. So uh, I'll give you the best of my knowledge. <laughs> and if anyone, any of your listeners want to tell me that I'm looking in the wrong place, please do. And I'll start looking in the right place. I think uh, if, the, if they looked at your Instagram feed, I think we, you, they would know you're looking in the right place. <laughs> um, so Wisconsin, you know, for grouse and woodcock, you're looking for um, kind of five to 18 year old aspen cuts. Um, so these are regenerated aspens after, after, after foresting, after, after clear cutting. Sure. Um, and so what that's doing is it's creating, um, what's well, creating habitat and it's creating food. Um, habitat is, is that stem density of the aspen where it's, it's going to protect them from avian predators. Um, and then uh, the food for winter, the aspen, the, the grouse eat the buds of the aspen. So, um, and in that forest, there's all sorts of food, them, food for them, of course. So, okay. Um, woodcock has the same, um, kind of has the same, both species can be found in the same habitat. Um, woodcock obviously eat earthworms. So um, you have to have soil, moist soils. Um, so woodcock are gonna be uh, in, they're gonna be in the aspen, but they're also gonna be um, around swamp edges, uh, along creeks um, in the alders. Um, so they're still looking for that cover also for, from, from protection from from avian predators um, but they have to have uh they have to have the soil so they can get to their worms okay all right so our our woodcock are, are fairly prevalent in northern wisconsin correct yes yeah okay. are, are they not as prevalent in southern wisconsin um i mean they'll make their way down so they 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 winter in the north okay um and they're migratory so they'll eventually make their way down um, I know some people hunt fairly close in the Twin Cities here. Um, once they want their one, once the flights make it down, they'll, they'll be hunting them. Okay. They go, I mean, they'll hunt them. Some people will hunt them all the way down. They'll follow the migration all the way down to Louisiana. Sure. Often. Sure. And they'll do it basically like, like duck hunters that'll, that'll follow the migration down yeah. there too. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and so uh, the swamp edges piece makes sense because where I've been, I've been duck hunting out at, I shouldn't call it duck hunting because I've only shot um, geese there, but um, <laughs> my buddy, my buddy owns like 39 acres, like 15 minutes from me. And I'm in Southeastern Wisconsin 
and he's got some swampy stuff. It is like he could turn that into like a waterfall hunting paradise. Uh, last week yeah. he shot a a woodcock, and yeah. um, he's like, I have seen at least ten more of these, and now it makes sense that you know he's they're probably living around that swamp edge there. I thought they might have just been passing through, but that that would make sense then from a habitat perspective. Yeah. Well, those I mean they they could be local birds. It's hard. It's hard. Like this year, I can't tell. I can't tell. You know, one day I'll have, um, we'll, we'll, we'll flush 25 woodcock. Wow. And then the next day we'll flush a couple. Um, so, I mean, they're multiple flights. So like, you know, they're not all moving in one day. Sure. Um, there's multiple flights of, of woodcocks moving in continually for when the flight is happening, they say it lasts about three to four weeks. So, um they're just moving in waves okay interesting that's i would i would love to know if those are local birds or if those are are uh, migratory birds and i guess you know in a in another month or two if they're still there well then we'll, we'll find out for sure yeah. um so are you hunting public land or private land for um, 100%, for 100 percent public okay yeah and are you are you just scouting it based on habitat is that is that how you get started yeah, so um, I'm using a couple different maps. Wisconsin actually has a really good app um, where you can add layers uh, for spe specific species that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm guessing it pulls data from um, the U.S. Forest Service uh, and Pride County Forestry um, for when these clear cuts are happening. Sure. Um, so it's it's pulling data and it's highlighting actual spots that are public um, that have that year class of Aspen. Um, and then for Woodcock, it would, I'm assuming it's probably pulling areas that have alder, tag alder, um, more wet areas, swamp edges and sure. you know, creeks. Creek okay. okay. All right. So. Then, so, so that's one, so that's one app. And the other app is uh scout and hunt. It's a map that, um, and Jander Noah made, uh, or she's continually to, to, she continues to make it, um, but she's out of Wisconsin, and she, I think, is a former forestry um, staff member, and, and she's making really good maps, and what she takes further is, is she highlights um, all the, all of the cover, not just Aspen, so she's doing, you know, conifers, she's doing tamaracks, she's doing, um, hazel brush all the upland brush and it's it's fairly comprehensive okay i will um scout and hunt i wrote that down here that's one that's one i want to check out okay um that's really interesting i feel like I, to get started did, did you have someone like help you learn the area when you when you bought your cabin i didn't um i did get um that's one thing i love about upland community i did reach out to one gentleman uh on instagram and uh he was he hunts pretty same same county as i'm hunting and uh i asked him i said you know i'm it was opener i was trying to take my six-year-old out this was two years ago and uh i said do you have a spot i basically asked him for a spot and, and I said, <laughs> it needs to have a trail for my for my kid and uh and he gave me, he gave me a, wow. he gave me a waypoint wow. and, and we got our first birds out of there. I mean, it, it, it's, that's, 
I don't want to say it's rare because I think the Upland community is is pretty honest, but um, I don't think you will get that every day. I I don't think so either. I'm actually um, yeah. That's 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 incredible. I mean, that, I wish. I, I'm going to paint with a broad brush, but I wish there was more of that in the, just the hunting community and sure. community sure. in general, or, you know, even the, the fishing community too. There's a lot of, you know, secrecy with spots and that sort sure. of thing. People don't want to share it because, and I really, there's, there's, you know, there can be one bad egg who will go in and, and ruin it for everyone, but, um, yeah. you know, getting, getting you out and getting you started, you know, in a new area and getting, you know, your son to be able to experience that too is like, yeah. You know that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, it was awesome. So that was the that was the first cover that we hunted, and it, it really gave me an idea of what I was supposed to be looking for. Um, and then, but the maps are really nice. I mean, Anne started to make these maps because she makes them for multiple states. I think she has like, I don't know, 10, 12 states. Um, but she made these maps because people were coming up to Wisconsin to hunt grouse, and mm-hmm. then you know, some of them are driving from south, and where do you start? I mean, there's millions of acres. Yeah. Um, and so, well, actually I don't know if there's millions, but there's, there's a lot of acres. There's the, the, the Chequamagon. I'd actually, I can never say that properly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nicolay national forest is monstrous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is, it is huge. If people, if you have not like been to Wisconsin, like look at the map, go up to like North central Wisconsin and you will see yeah. this giant like green area on Google maps. Yeah. And that is, cool. that is the entire thing. It's unbelievable how much public land we have to hunt. Um, but yeah, so she made these maps to basically give people a starting point. So it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a great resource. Uh, yeah. I, I, I need to learn more. Um, I would love to do, I, I would love to get into that. I just think, I, I think it's fun to do new things and explore new things and, and just continuously learn and to go out and, and hunt grouse or hunt, wood, hunt woodcock. That would be, that would be fun. I mean, it would be a, couple hour drive for me which is fine i would totally do it but um i feel like i I feel like i actually know where to start now so thank you well you have you have an open invitation so just let me know thank you i will we'll talk after we stop recording (laughs) all right so um let's let's transition though back to back to dogs and i just want to talk about about hunter a little bit here um because you are hunting grouse and woodcock through uh you know, thick cover, um, through thick brush and he's a 13 year old dog. And, um, he's also a dog with, with, um, there's more backstory to it. So I, Rich, you want to share just a little bit about, you know, a little bit more about Hunter's story. Yeah. Yep. So he's, uh, 13 and, uh, in March, uh, he got diagnosed with a soft tissue sarcoma on his left leg. So, um, the, the prognosis wasn't great. Uh, we, we heard a lot of bad news and, uh, I think in our mind, we were doing basically, um, basically the least that we could do actually, uh, was, it was amputation, which was, a, which was recommended. So, yeah. um, they also recommended chemotherapy and we thought, you know, we opted not to do that. Sure. Um, so that was not an easy, that was not an easy decision. So, um, so we, we did the amputation, um, in, I think it was the end of March. So right, right when COVID was like a thing. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. Wow. What was the uh, recovery process like? I mean, how, I mean, how long did it take him to, to bounce back? Sure. Cause that's a major, uh, that's a major well, surgery. I mean, yeah, it's a major surgery. So they actually take the whole shoulder um, because a lot of times the dogs will think like they, they feel like they, they have a leg. So it'll take okay. them harder. It'll take longer for, for recovering for them to figure out how to, how to walk. Um, so he actually ended up getting a, a massive infection um, in his leg. And I, and this is, that was the tough part about um, the stay at home order was that he, you know, we were <laughs> trying to navigate the pandemic with kids and, and school um, distance learning. And then uh, we couldn't go into the vet office. We had to, we had to, call him from the outside and, and meet with them outside. And, um, he ended up having this huge infection. Um, so I was sending the doctor pictures and obviously pictures aren't, aren't as good as, um, in person. And he thought that, um, he thought he was doing fine. He thought it was healing up. Um, <clears throat> and so we, we kind of went with it and he started to stop eating. I mean, he wasn't eating great to begin with cause it's a major surgery, but, mm-hmm. um, he was, he was really, I could tell he was in pretty heavy pain. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, your dogs. So, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't eating as much. And, and I, I told the doctor, I think he needs to come in. So he's like, oh yeah, let, let, let's have him come in. And, and he immediately said, yeah, this looks like a pretty bad infection. It actually, after they, after they did the amputation, obviously there was a, a fairly large mass missing from his shoulder. Um, but when it got infected, it looked like he had all of his shoulder, but no leg. So it was fairly substantial. Um, they had to end up going back in and then adding a drain so it could, it could drain better. Holy smokes. Um, So it took a little bit longer, but, um, you know, I would say after he got the drain put in a couple days after he was back up and, and pretty mobile. And then maybe a week after, maybe a week after that, he was starting to figure it out. Um, he, he had a hard time walking in a straight line. He kind of moved, he kind of moved at an angle and then he'd sure. have to kind of zigzag back and forth. But um, dogs are pretty smart. They're pretty, they're extremely resilient, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and he figured it out pretty quickly. And it was uh, definitely harder for me than it was for him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm sure that, I mean, that's, that is a, that's a crazy journey though. I mean, um, you know, he's, I I talk about how my dog is, you know, he's a member of the family and I can certainly see, you know, Hunter, Hunter is for you as well. So when did, when did you decide that you were going to, you were going to try hunting him again? Um, it's a great question. I don't know. (laughs) Cause that when, when he had the amputation, the, the prognosis was, um, the prognosis, well, the prognosis from pathology was guarded, meaning they, what, well, so guarded was before, guarded, <laughs> hard to remember, guarded was the, the first um, prognosis after pathology when we did the biopsy. And they couldn't tell if it was, um, what we were worried about was bone cancer. Sure. Um, and so osteo, osteosarcoma. Mm-hmm. So, um, what we, so, sorry, I'm just trying to jog my memory here. 
No, there's, there's, I'm, I've, I've asked you to recall things from 13 yeah. years ago and not, you know, and then from the beginning of COVID. And I can tell you that, you know, for me personally, I'm sure similar for you, 2020 yeah. has been like 15 years all in one. Yes. So, um, so, so backing up when, when we heard the, the original prognosis, uh, it wasn't good. And we were, we were pretty worried. And then uh, they did, they sent his leg to pathology and they, when they looked at the sarcoma, the doctor said it was the highest metastasized cancer cell that he's ever seen in that small of an area. Oof. But there was no cancer, there was no sign of cancer in his lymph nodes in the leg, which is where I think all of us would assume it would go first. Sure. Um, so there was, there was, I think that's probably when my first inclination was, okay, there's maybe there's a positive sign in all of this. Sure. Um, but I, I never doubted that he couldn't hunt with three legs. Right. It was more of a, okay, is he going to be able to hunt with three legs at, at 13 years old? Okay. And, um, you know, a lot of these cancer patients that are dogs, especially if they're not doing chemotherapy are, you know, they're going to live, maybe six months mm -hmm. and we're we're here so um and he seems to be doing great he, he he does um okay so he has he has a surgery he has the infection the drain did after at that point you know when he the drain was put in and he started to get back to his old self did you did you think okay this is going to happen and you know did you start conditioning him or trying to condition him at that point yeah <laughs> I tried to get him to swim because he, he loved swimming, which is apparently not something that Lisa's like to do, but he, he lives in the water. Um, so he jumped, he actually jumped off the dock. Um, that would have been, April, so that would have been like three weeks after surgery. He actually tried to try to jump off the dock and he did, but I think, I don't think he loved the, the, landing <laughs> and so he hasn't jumped he, i mean he used to jump off the dock you know open the door and he's running down to the dock and he's jumping in um so he want he does like to swim and he can still swim um so i wanted to really get him in the water and do some of that low impact um water exercise not water sure. just yeah. getting him in shape without yeah. all the pounding right um so we did a little bit i think it was it was what was tricky is that if, if I was throwing a, a stick or, a, or anything for him, he, he would have a hard time keeping his head above water because water was getting into his mouth. Yeah. Um, so we didn't, we weren't able to do a lot of conditioning. And then, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, a lot, when you think about a dog at 13, um, you're worried about arthritis. So mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to work them. I basically had a balance, um, not, not overworking him and, and keeping him as conditioned as he could be. Right. But he's always been in pretty good shape. So he's, uh, I mean, visos are, are just naturally, you know, in, in shape dogs. They're, yeah. they're dogs very, that are not you know, very athletic. Yeah. Very, very athletic. Um, I don't think I've ever seen an overweight Visla, which, yeah. Yeah, I've seen a couple. Seen a couple you might you might have seen a couple, but yeah, but but yeah, you know, no, very pretty rare cases. And Hunter has been pretty easy to to keep at a. I mean, I could keep him at like a 
I could keep, keep them within a pound of, of what I wanted to be really easily. Sure. Sure. So, um, so I, we're, we're kind of building up. So to, to opening day in Wisconsin. So did you go out on opening day with, with Hunter? I did. Yep. How did, how did the hunt go? Uh, it went great. Um, he did, uh, I'm just trying, now you're really dragging my memory because even though it was just a few weeks ago, um, he did really good. It was hot. Uh, it was really rainy, um, but great for scenting conditions. Um, he actually, and here's a good story. He actually, he actually pointed seven grouse. I didn't see any of them uh, <laughs> except for two. So the two, the two that I saw, so we're hunting, we're hunting a cover with actually with the whole family and it's pouring down rain and I'm actually hunting in the cover. I'm not hunting on the trails because he actually moves better in the cover um, and, and slower in the cover and more methodical in the cover. So I don't even hunt trails with him anymore. Um, and so we're in the cover we get the, it's just too thick for the kids. So we move off the trail and this is like, we move onto the trail and this is probably, I don't know, five, 10 minutes into the hunt and Hunter decides to take a big, big crap. And, uh, <laughs> so I decide naturally, oh, this is a great time to dry off my glasses cause they're completely wet and it's humid. And it's just foggy and you know, you don't want to be shooting a gun with dirty glasses. So pull my glasses off. <clears throat> Everyone's standing next to me, uh, open the action of my gun, wipe off my glasses. And as I'm wiping them off, Hunter finishes his crap and he goes immediately into point, right, right on the trail. And I'm like, I didn't really, I'm going to be honest. Like I didn't really think he was pointing a bird because we we're all standing there chatting away. Not even a couple of seconds later, these two grouse bust straight up over the canopy I could see him without my glasses on and my kids and my wife were yelling, shoot, shoot. And I'm like, I can't, I don't have my glasses on and my action's open. And they're like, why are you shooting? I'm like, I can't even see them. Uh, I mean, I did see them, but I, you know, did not offer a shot. Those were the two, those are the only two birds that offered a shot on grouse for me until Saturday, this Saturday. But we've seen, I bet we've seen, I bet we had contact with 30 or 40 grouse this year already. Wow. For an old, for an old man. Uh, but opener was good, yeah. So seven grouse, I think three woodcock points, and uh, it was it was pretty memorable. That's 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 incredible, right? I mean, you yeah. you, you know your your first time out after uh, you know a, you know he's an older dog, um, went through a major surgery, and you know ten bird contacts, ten points. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty amazing. How has um, after opening day? How has the rest of the season gone? How many you know? How many points? How many how many birds have you harvested over him? Really good, really good. Um, so, like I said, Saturday was the first grouse that I had a shot at, and we got him. Um, so one grouse uh, and several woodcock. I mean, he's he, we're really focusing on woodcock this year. Like I said, I think it's if there was an upland bird right now that worked best for Hunter, it's the woodcock. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he's working, uh, super efficiently. We have, you know, I cap our hunts at two to three hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, you know, we don't, we don't hunt the trails. We, we, we basically head straight for the, for the prime cover. Um, and we're hunting small tracks, small acreages. Um, 
but it's working it's working great for him so i mean we we target we've been targeting woodcock um if we come across a grouse then that's it's that's like our bonus bird basically mm -hmm. instead of most grouse hunters would be like woodcock's our bonus bird woodcock saved our hunt didn't see any didn't see grouse we're we're targeting woodcock sure which is, i think probably pretty unique yeah that's um i don't think there's many hunters that do that I, yeah you know um but but it makes sense right i mean you you are making the most of the time that you have with him um, yep. and making the most of the time that you have in the woods. Yep. Um, and that's, that's what you have to do. How many birds have you harvested so far this year? Um, let me think here. 12. 12. Yeah. That's, 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 um, that's pretty incredible. I, I mean, I, I'm going to use that word a lot, but um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Is there, is there one moment so far this season that stood out to you? I mean, that, that, that story you had with your family and him, him taking a crap and then yeah. right on point. I mean, that's, that, yeah. that's what hunting is all about right there. Those are the yeah. stories they get shared around a campfire. Yeah. There are a couple, um, his first, so his first bird after amputation was the, the, so that first weekend we didn't take a shot at bird. Yep. Um, but the second weekend, his first woodcock came on Sunday, and uh, my son was with me, and it was it was a celebration. It was it was it was it was a lot of bird flushes without taking a shot that he pointed, and I and I if there was anyone failing, it was me. Sure. Um, I mean, it not to put any excuse to it, but there was a lot of leaves up, and I mean that makes it. Yeah extremely challenging to shoot um but we weren't we weren't getting a lot of opportunities at all the contacts he's been i mean he, he was he was hunting and we've had more we've seen more birds than we did last year um <laughs> for when he was 12 and had four legs um but yeah that first bird um it, it meant it meant a lot to get that first one um and kind of put it I don't want to say put it behind us, but it was, it was kind of paved the way for the rest of the season here. And, and, and we're, we're thick in it, you know, pretty thick in it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I, I'm sure that was a special moment. I can only imagine. I think about, you know, Mac is going to be four and I think about him getting old and it's, I have a hard time with it. He's got a couple of gray hairs on his side now and I want to like tweeze them out so I don't have yeah. to look at them every day. So <laughs> Get some, get some hair dye. Some, hair dye. <laughs> some just for dogs, right? Just for dogs, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the, the other moment happened on, on um, Sunday here. I, I, I wrote about it a little bit on my Instagram, but um, we have uh, a piece of county land behind us at the cabin that's less than marginal habitat. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of... Uh, it's county lands. It's a lot of, uh, lot of conifers, a lot of, a lot of big red and white oaks or not red, white, red, uh, red and white pine. And it has, it does actually have, it has a lot of uh, scrub oak. Um, but I would, you know, it has a little bit of aspen mixed in between, but it's not that large contiguous track of, of aspen, but it is, a, it is a good diverse piece of forest, which is sure. one thing that the, the grouse need. Um, and there are grouse in there and we hear them, we see them in our, they come through our, they come through our property all the time, see them in our driveway, see them on our road. I mean, they, they're, they've been like 
haunting me for a couple of years. <laughs> uh, so it's been, it's been kind of a goal of mine to like grab my gun, walk out the front door with Hunter and, and harvest a bird on, you know, the property right behind us. And uh, it happened on Saturday and, and it, it was, you know, something pretty special. I think it's something that a lot of people wish they could, you know, kind of have that dream of doing and uh, just feel blessed to have those opportunities. Yeah. I think that's uh I think that's, I think that's a, a nice little bow on the conversation right there. I think that's, yeah. that's the great way to sum it up. I mean, those are, you know, I, for me, hunting is all about making memories and, and you're making some, some incredible memories here this season with Hunter. Um, yeah. in addition to all, all the memories over the past 12 years with him. Yeah. So, um, that I, you know, I think, I think about Hunter and I think about just like the, the, you mentioned resiliency. Dogs are so incredibly resilient and they always give you 110%, right? No matter, no matter if they have three legs, four legs, two and a half legs, one ear, two ears, one eye, it doesn't matter, you know, and they're always there by your side and they're always ready to go. Yeah. Right. They're your, they're your, your chief hunting partner, right? They're, you you grab your gun and, and I bet, I bet Hunter is standing at the door waiting for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, so what I want to do though, to, to, to finish up rich is I want to do just, um, a quick rapid fire session. So this is, um, just, you know, off the cuff questions for you. First thing that comes to mind or, um, whatever it might be. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of, we'll wrap things up here and, um, and you'll be able to plug who, you know, whatever you want to plug, including your Instagram channel, which I'll spend like at, at least a minute talking about. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about rapid fire here. So all right. The first rapid fire question I have for you is what is your favorite game to pursue? Oh, Woodcock right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have any trips planned this fall? Any hunting trips? Uh, possibly heading to North Dakota with my father-in-law. Okay. Um, he has family up in Botno, North Dakota. Um, so possibly doing that. Uh, maybe a waterfowl trip in North Dakota. So probably North Dakota. Probably North Dakota. Okay. Yeah. Is Hunter going to tag along for that? I think so. Um, you know, like I said, the, the, the grass, well, I didn't talk about grassland, but it's, it's, it's tougher on him, I think, cause he, I think he feels like he needs to move faster. Sure. Um, so, you know, maybe it'll come out for a little bit, but he'll be sad if I leave him in the truck. <laughs> he'll have to get a little bit of run. Yeah. I mean, he, he'll have to. Okay. All right. So, uh, what is your, your shotgun of choice when you're pursuing upland birds? Um, so right now I have two, I have, uh, Browning synergy over under, uh, that I've used, I use mainly for pheasant hunting. And then, uh, last year I picked up a CZ Bob white G2 side by side. Um, nice little gun, a good budget gun. Um, really light 20 gauge perfect for perfect for grouse hunting you know yeah i don't i won't say i beat up on my guns but the covers we're hunting are are not you know they're not conducive to to an expensive gun sure yep i'm um yeah you you don't even have to justify cover with me i tend to um beat the crap out of my guns and i'm not even you know hiking through aspen thickets i'm you you know I'm, I, you know, I'm klutzy, you know, I'm whatever, you know, they, what you, they just, they just take a pounding. What do you carry? 
Uh, um, I'm in the market for a, for a new gun right now. I'm going to end up shooting for Upland this year. I'm going to be shooting a, a Browning A5 semi-auto classic. Right. Yep. The classic. Heavy though. Uh, it is, it is incredibly heavy. Um, my, uh, American arms over under, um, had an unfortunate incident, um, during hunting season last year and it is now out of commission. So, um, very sad about that um that's another story i don't i you know i at some point i will share that i'm slightly embarrassed to share that story <laughs> what happened to that gun um all right so you put on a lot of miles what is your hunting boot of choice uh i wear danner i have danners okay um i think they're the sharp tails um they're they're more suited for well obviously sharp tail hunting the prairie um but wisconsin northern wisconsin covers uh are very wet this year they're pretty dry but typically you're hunting very wet cover um you know bog swamp you're, you're crossing rivers um so i wear a rubber boot um right now i think i have a pair of of i think they're gander gander mountain back when they were a company um mm -hmm. guide guide series yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. that sounds right. But I mean, any any rubber boot that's comfortable for you is gonna is gonna get the job done okay. for grouse. Okay. All right, and then we'll we will uh, we will wrap with this one. What is your post hunt beverage of choice? Uh, you know, I am actually allergic to alcohol. Okay, that's okay. Uh, so water. All right. <laughs> that's that is um that's what everybody should be drinking after <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. yeah yeah let's dehydrate after being dehydrated uh-huh bingo bingo exactly all right all right that's it for rapid fire um so rich if people want to know more about hunter if they want to see more of his adventures if they want to get in touch with you how can they do that uh yeah so my instagram is whisk Nord. So WISC as in uh, Wisconsin, so W-I-S-P uh, underscore M-E underscore Nord, N-O-R-D. So it's kind of a play on words like whisk me north, take me north. Okay. Wisconsin. Okay. I, I was going to ask how, how you came up with that name, but that it makes sense now. Okay, good. Okay. Um, I, so yes. I don't think anyone gets it. People are like, whisk me north, I don't get it. I, I was, I was talking about it with my wife here like an hour ago and I'm like, I think, I think it's that actually. So I bet it's, I bet it's playing words. Um, all right. Uh, and that is whisk me Nord folks is, um, a, an Instagram channel that I would highly recommend checking out. Um, if you recall when we first started, Rich mentioned that he is a professional photographer that will come out in his pictures. Um, they are, they are simply incredible and he's a fantastic storyteller. Um, I, I try to keep up with all of Hunter's adventures or Rich and Hunter's adventures. So um, check that out. Um, and that's it. We'll, we'll end on that note. So Rich, thank you very much for your time and for jumping on. Um, I will um, certainly be, uh, be following along with your, your rest of your adventures this fall. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That's it for today's podcast. If you could, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with another gun dog owner. If you have another 30 seconds, please leave a review. 
I'm constantly looking for ways to improve and make the podcast better, but I can't do that without your feedback.